Hey, you're listening to the Indie Music Diaries. Casual conversations with real musicians. Whether you're a singer-songwriter playing in pubs, a drummer from an up-and-coming metal band, or just making beats in your bedroom, the Indie Music Diaries is for you. Documenting the rise of the working musician, these conversations are designed to inform, educate, and entertain, while celebrating the diversity among creative artists. Each story is unique, and every journey is different. Hosted by Australian solo artist Atlas Eyes, this is the Indie Music Diaries. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Indie Music Diaries. It's Atlas Eyes here, just dropping in at the top of the episode to let you know that my debut single, One We're Talking All The Time, is out now. Very exciting. It's available on all streaming services. I'll make sure to have it linked down below in the description wherever you're listening to this episode. But it's been out for just over a week now and it's so cool to see people vibing to the track already, giving it listens. Um, so yeah, if you do want to go give it a stream, I'll make sure I have it linked down below. The music video is also live on YouTube and Instagram and that was a lot of fun to shoot. So um, I really, really appreciate all the support and you guys listening to my music debut single. It's out now. But today we're talking to Stephanie Sharoti, who is a really interesting singer-songwriter based in Australia. Her music has taken her to a variety of interesting locations. I believe it was Costa Rica, uh, throughout the United States. And we also touch on her experience of turning down a potential record deal and what that meant for her career. But it's led her to where she is now and she's making some really, really cool, unique music. She's got a debut album on the way and she's got a couple singles out right now. I'll make sure to have them linked down below as well. Um, but Indie Music Diaries playlist on Spotify is where you can also find Stephanie's music, the Indie Music Diaries playlist. If you don't know, is a Spotify playlist that I recently set up, which contains all of the songs from the guests that come onto the podcast. So Stephanie's latest single will be on the playlist, as well as my song of the week recommendation. Uh, um, every podcast episode, I give a little song that I've been vibing to at the time, um, which gets thrown into the playlist as well. And this week, it's going to be a song called Pretty Great by the band Fickle Friends. Really cool indie bop. So that'll be added to the playlist as well. And you can also find my debut single on the playlist as well. Why aren't we talking at the time? I snuck it in there as well. So that's all I had to say, but let's jump into the main episode. This is a really, really great chat that I had with Stephanie Sharoti right here, right now on the Indie Music Diaries podcast. Hope you enjoy. Joining me on this episode of the Indie Music Diaries podcast is a lovely new artist that just, that just stumbled across um, to me from a friend. Her name is Stephanie Sharoti. How's it going, Stephanie? Great. Hi, Lachlan. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time out to come onto the podcast. Um, it's great to have you on. And like I said, so a lot of the artists that I have ha have had on before have sort of just been, you know, friends that I know in music. You're one of the first artists on the podcast that was given to me by someone else. And this is great because I can sort of, you know, discover who you are and learn a, learn a bit about you, you know, for the first time, just, just as, um, as the audience is as well. So let's jump straight into it. How old are you and where are you based and what sort of music do you make? Wow. <laughs> it's like resume. Right? <laughs> um, I don't know if I want to answer the age. That's fine. Yeah, I don't know. Totally. It's relevant for me anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm in Byron Bay. I live in Byron and the kind of music that I make is 
It's pretty classic songwriting. Um, I play guitar, so I write songs on the guitar. Um, this record that I'm about to release um, has a lot of orchestral arrangements, which um, I took part in writing and worked with an, a great string arranger. So there's a quite a cinematic sort of um, orchestral soundscape behind the acoustic guitar, but that, that's basically um, the two elements. So, mm. yeah, there's not much else going on other than those two quite, actually quite big components unto themselves. Yeah, and so you've got two tracks out at the moment from what I've seen on Spotify. So um, we've got the new one that just came out just recently. It was, I think it was about a month ago or so now. Um, what Becomes of the Things I've, I've Seen and Summer Love as well. Two really, really cool tracks and the vibes that they give off, give off very, as you said, sort of that singer-songwriter, the songwriter sort of thing, the like a folky sort of vibe to it. And there's a really beautiful quality to your voice as well and, and just the whole arrangement. Um, let's just dive straight into the music and we'll talk about this new one. So what becomes of the things I've seen? And I'd love to talk about the music video as well um, afterwards. But yeah. tell us a bit about this track. Um, how did it come about? And um, yeah, what does it mean? Um, it came about, well, most of my songs come about in pieces. I'm sort of, um, there's never a beginning and an end with me when it comes to approaching a song. Well, not straight away. It's sort of, I come up with different pieces, whether it's um, a chord progression, a poem, I don't know, everything's sort of in fragments. And then over time it pieces itself together. Um, but lyrically, it, the idea was based in um, a time when I was sort of grieving a breakup. So mm. that's always good subject matter. Um, yeah, I was a bit sort of lost, feeling lost and trying to sort of file away the pieces of this person who I'd become so, you know, intimately um, involved with and absorbed all these many impressions of them and didn't quite know what to, you know, I was just really thinking like a child, what am I supposed to do with all this stuff? I know so much about this person and it's replaying on a day-to-day -day basis and I don't know where to park it. And it revisits you wherever you go and whatever you set out to do, it's sort of haunting you. So that's conceptually, that's sort of what it's about. Um, musically, yeah, it just, uh, I don't know, it, it's such an abstract process. It was... I think I had a verse and a few months later I had a chorus and yeah, it was mm. <laughs> a bit of a long winded puzzle, I suppose. So it was one of those songs, cause it's interesting. It seems like from what I've uh, you know, spoken about with the other artists that come on the podcast, sometimes with songwriting um, and I know it's the same for me as well. Sometimes they can come really quickly. You know, you can sort of smash out the whole thing in half an hour, but then often, songs you know really great songs can take months even years to write so this was one of those examples right where it sort of just dragged out over time was it did you have did you ever have sort of like a love-hate relationship with it in that way where you felt like oh maybe this isn't going to work and then you sort of just came back to it later on like do you ever have that with your songwriting definitely yeah even um 
I'm sure as you would understand, you sort of get to a point where you can't see the forest from the trees and you, you just don't have any objective um, perspective. You, mm. I definitely got to a point with this song because it is the verses do have these sort of rambling chord changes going on. And I got to a point where I wondered if any of it made sense or if it was cohesive at all because of the number of changes. And I suppose the headspace I was in, I was quite sort of dark and confused at the time when I was writing it. So I thought maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's the result of the song too. It may not um, make any sense to anyone else. And to me, that's probably not a great song if it doesn't make any sense for <laughs> as valuable as the process might be for the writer i don't know if it has much value out in the listening world if it doesn't make any sense yeah absolutely and um we've got the music video for this one as well and uh what a cool music video i was just watching it just before actually um stop motion which is yeah. always a lot of fun, I'm sure, for, for artists um, when they're you know, doing a stop-motion music video. And you worked with, um, you can correct me if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly, but Mitch Maseki? Yes. Yeah. Mitch Maseki, yeah, yeah. So you work, worked with him. So how did the process of that come about? You, you contacted him and then, and then how did that um, come about, putting a music video together? Um, I'd seen Mitch's um, hand-cut collages on Instagram and I wasn't even really thinking about a video clip at the time, but I just loved his work. He does these really beautiful warped sort of um, paper cut, hand cut collages, mostly using like vintage National Geographic magazines. Oh, cool. Yeah, and he's, he has this beautiful way of twisting reality. So sometimes, you know, he'll put like a... Um, a parallel universe where he's so oh I'm not I'm not doing it justice he just <laughs> has a way of reinterpreting reality but it rings a bell it rings something that's very confronting and true mm. and yep. anyway so I when I got to the point of wanting to make a video for this song I contacted him and asked if he'd be interested in doing a stop-motion version of the hand cut collages and he was he was definitely, um, I don't know, he, he was into it. He thought it was a cool challenge, but he hadn't done it for, you know, a four minute piece of music. So he was, there was some doubt there. He said, leave it with me and I'll see what I come up with. So I sent him the lyrics and just a bunch of themes in my mind, visually, what I think would tie in well. And literally a few days later, he sent, the video minus my sort of cameo part, he sent the whole thing back to me and said, is this, are we getting, am I on the right page? Mm. And I was really, really touched by it. I thought it was really beautiful. And I actually didn't want to be in it at all, but he felt that, you know, he said for the, for the people to watching it, to identify with you, the artist, we need to put you in it. So I just filmed myself singing the choruses, sent that footage to him. He's in Texas. And he did his thing and sent the video back. And it was, that was yeah. the beginning and the end. It's, it's really, really exciting when you can find other creatives, especially in like different fields, whether it is, you know, animators, photographers, videographers who understand the feel and the story behind the song. 
And for me, this is a perfect marriage of that where the song and then Mitch's vision, artistic vision has really, there's a really nice marriage there. And it, it, it seems like the perfect music video for the kind of song. And um, actually that's interesting that you just, you sort of just shot your part by yourself and then he just put it in. So, cause it seems seamless. Like to me watching it, it just seems like, yeah, that's just the package, but that's interesting there. Right. Um, yeah. Cool. That's great to hear. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, music videos are always fun. I, I, just, I shot my, I shot one for my, um, for my new single a few weeks back, and um, it can be very, it can be chaotic, but, um, but very, very fun. And uh, let's touch on the other track, which I'd love to talk about as well, because this one I loved just as much as, um, as what becomes the things I've seen. So, Summer Love, which you also released earlier this year. Um, tell us about this one, Summer Love. How did this one come about? Um. Again, it was in different segments that I've sort of pieced together over time. I was actually in Costa Rica when I started writing it, I think. Or, wow. Yeah, I was, I had to, I was living in the States and I had to do a visa run. So I, <laughs> I think I was in Costa Rica and um, I was feeling pretty isolated, probably a lot like what everyone's been feeling most mm. of this year. Um, I'd sort of planted myself in a tree house in one of the beautiful national parks and I was um, taken aback by the beauty and the, the fantasy of the whole situation, but I didn't have anyone to share it with. <laughs> so, you know, as songwriters do, I poured it into a song. So mm. that's basically how it came together. And I just thought there was some irony in the title being summer love because that conjures up this idea of some beautiful youthful summer romance when in mm. fact it's not quite that yeah um so these two tracks are sort of leading up to um to this album release which i believe is coming out like october actually it might be out by the time we release this episode so the album some holy longing so are they are both tracks going to be on the album? Yes. Yeah. Great. Cool. So um, tell us a bit, bit about the album. Um, how long, how long has the process started in terms of putting it together? Or is this sort of just a collection of songs that you've been working on over the years? Um, yeah, I suppose the writing process was a couple of years um, living in different places and taking on sort of different lives I guess in that two to three years of writing songs recording it was pretty quick um once I'd really locked in the studio and and the orchestra and um the producer that I worked with uh he was that everything just lined up timing wise to actually record it so the recording process was about a week at the Grove um, Mangrove Mountain. It's a beautiful studio there. And then we did some overdubs um, a few months later and the mixing process was an interesting time. Um, it was mixed and then remixed by a great musician, songwriter, producer, Rob Munoz, who's based in Melbourne. Mm. Um, yeah, and then it was mastered a couple of months ago. So it's been a few years in the making, but the actual recording was pretty standard time, like what, mm. six months, 
thoughts or something. That's good. Yeah. I was, and I was just going to say there as well. I, I recorded my new single at the Grove too. So, so I, I know what, it, I know what it's like there and um, yeah, beautiful studio up there. And so, so yeah, live orchestra that you brought in and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was right. crazy actually. Mm. <laughs> orchestra. Um, we did a one day session for 11 songs. We tracked wow. 11 songs in a day, but they were, Probably the most pro players I've ever <laughs> I've ever been in a room with. Most of them play with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, so they were just, you know, masters mm. of what they were doing. That was yeah. Really cool. In terms of um, taking the song from 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 the songwriting phase, so do you, when you when you write your songs, do you just write the songs by yourself, like it's just you? Yeah. Yeah, so, and are you writing it on, like, piano or guitar or something? Guitar, mostly. Guitar, cool. Yeah, so t talk, tell us about the, f about the transition from getting it to, like, the song, from when it's just, like, guitar and vocals to these, like, beautiful, lush orchestral pieces because, obviously, you know, it's really fleshing it out. It, when you're writing the song and you have it on acoustic guitar, are you imagining all these sort of, you know, a 12-piece or orchestra on it as well? Like, yeah, what's that, what's that process like? Um, for, for this record, yeah, I, I did have that, um, that component pretty of the orchestra pretty well, um, existing in my head while I was writing the songs. I, I really did. I can't say that I've always had this clarity, but for, for these songs, I was very certain that I wanted an orchestra to sort of landscape and bring a lot of width and dimension to the to the recordings. So I can't say that I wrote the songs with the orchestra in mind because I think it's really important if you're writing a song on a guitar, it has to survive just a vocal and a guitar. Mm. Otherwise, you know, I, I'm personally not um, all that fond of gluing things together in during production. I like the songs to completely hold their own in just with whatever the instruments are and the voice. Um, so yeah, it's, that's definitely on my criteria when I'm writing, but for this process, the, the string parts definitely started to leak into the writing process pretty early on. And I started actually sampling, uh, using samples on GarageBand to write the mm. string parts. I just, you know, they're pretty shitty. <laughs> but yeah. just to create that environment, mm. sonically, I, that's what I started to work with. And then when I went to the string arranger who ultimately really finessed everything and made them much, much more beautiful than how I would started them. Um, yeah, they were my tools and I was just really certain that they would be that, that the orchestra would really support the songs. And in the end, I guess now listening to the recordings, they've done a lot more than just support them. They've re the orchestra's just sort of taken on its own world within mm. the songs. But the songs do exist also without all that stuff. I'm happy to just sit and play them. Um, yeah, without all the yeah. end stuff. 
Definitely. Yeah. I, I think that's just going back to what you're sort of touching on there before about having the songs hold up, you know, just by themselves without being glued together, you know, just on an acoustic guitar and vocals. Um, because then, then that means, you know, it proves that the songwriting, you know, I, I think maybe in this current day and age, we're sort of losing maybe some of that, the importance of songwriting a little bit, obviously, you know, with technology and everything. Um, but yeah, I definitely vibe with them um, with what you're talking about there. Um, sonically with the album, is it a pretty similar sound in, in terms of the two tracks that we've heard so far, or is there a quite, quite a diversity in, in terms of genre across, across um, the record? Um, there's, there's definitely some diversity. I wouldn't say, you know, it doesn't stretch too far from the two songs that you've heard. Um, there are a few that are probably not as embellished with the orchestral sounds and everything a little bit more ballady but then actually there's a couple that really rip into some stuff so you know they don't get full-blown um doesn't turn into rock and roll but it's there's definitely other shades of my personality i guess Mm, mm. there's there's a spectrum of emotions and and sounds but within a sort of little house yeah, nice. No, no, that's a nice, nice metaphor. Nice way to think of it. Um, and who would you, ref- who would you um, say are your main inspirations musically? Like who, who inspires you? Um, uh, I guess it's, it's changed over the years. Or I guess they haven't changed. They've expanded. Um, when I was really young, I listened to a lot of um, Roy Orbison, Patsy Cline, Hank Williams, you know, the classic songwriters, um, the Beatles. I, I guess I was in a way schooled by that music. Um, and that's, those artists are still my go-to references when I'm a bit unsure of things. Neil Young, um, Joni Mitchell. Yeah, I guess all the classics, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever steer too far away from that um, crowd. I think mm. that's where I feel like I draw the most inspiration from. I listen to a lot of new music, but it usually identifies with those. They usually mm. echoes of those artists. So, yeah, I'm a bit of an old school girl, I guess. Very nice. Nice. No, that's good. That's good. Um, so I, apparently um, you walked away. There was an opportunity with Atlantic Records. Um, tell us a bit about this. And this was something that maybe you steered away from to, to work on yourself personally and, and develop yourself, um, you know, just on your own without um, being under a record label. But yeah, so this is quite an interesting story. Did you want to tell us about this? And how did um, the opportunity with Atlantic Records come about? Uh, well, it was, at, sorry, it was Interscope. Not that it... Oh, Okay really matters but it was it was interscope record yep. um so it came about after i'd won a couple of songwriting competitions here in oz australia um and i started uh doing a mentorship with island records here in australia and it just i off the back of that i was introduced to some people who then um, wanted to introduce me to some people in America. And so I went over there. I started working with a 
crew of people. Um, at the time, they were kind of, I guess they were thinking about the whole Lana Del Rey explosion and mm. were quite keen to um, jump on that a little bit or sort of use that context for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, look, it's all a, a little bit messy in my head, but I was, I got to a point where I was working with Jimmy Iovine and basically recording covers of Bruce Springsteen and Stevie Nicks and artists that he'd worked with, you know, back in the seventies. And, um, it was all a little bit confusing. I didn't quite feel like, um, I was there on the merit of my songwriting. It just, um, I was feeling that it was being a little fabricated and, mm. um, you know, I was excited because, you know, this is those kinds of opportunities of what you dream of yeah. as an artist. And so I was a bit conflicted with it feeling like, oh, this is the ultimate sort of opportunity and moment. But my gut feel, I was really not feeling embodied in it at all. I was mm. feeling quite out of myself and... Um, yeah, after a few months of, you know, turning up to writing sessions and demoing and doing all the preliminary sort of stuff, I just let them know that it wasn't for me, mm. really. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, and, and I think that's really admirable to have that self-awareness to understand when maybe a situation even as big as that isn't quite right for you. And maybe that's not the pathway you're meant to take. And, and it, it, I mean, it's, and it's cool now. I mean, even just with the music that you have released so far that maybe it is paying off, you sort of taking this more independent route. Um, what advice would you give to, to in, independent artists that is just maybe just starting up and, and have big opportunities like that pop up? What are the things, you know, that you'd tell an artist that maybe has a similar position? Um, I'd hope for them, for that artist, that they are somewhat in touch with that very raw connection that they have with music and for that not to be slaughtered by other people's ideas and capitalism and <laughs> people... Um, steering your course because I think for every songwriter and musician there's I mean there's there's the industry and and there's a way of climbing the ranks and meeting the right people and you know we do what we have to do to to make those contacts and to meet those people but if you lose that connection with that very personal um endeavor that you've had since you were probably a kid to mm. just make music that is an expression of you, then we're losing the point completely. Mm. It's kind of like signing up to some corporation job just because, you know, we're conditioned to think that that's the be all and end all. I think um, just being just questioning everything, questioning other people's ideas and keeping as close to your own vision as you can. 
hundred percent. Yeah. And I think even just to go along with that as well, just, just being, just having that self-awareness and being confident in your identity. And like you said, you know, as we sort of touched on a couple of times here, just like bringing it back to the music, focusing on the music and, you know, why you got started in the first place, which I guess, you know, after many years and, you know, with, with when money gets thrown around and big contracts and, you know, big names and everything, you can sort of sometimes lose sight of that. Um, but that's really cool to sort of hear your story and how you chose to sort of follow your own path, which, you know, as I said before, it's really admirable. Um, and I mean, you've sort of thrown up a couple of different countries, country names here and there over the episode, Costa Rica, the U S. Um, so you, you've had quite an international, um, journey from what it seems. Um, is, are there any other countries that that you've been to sort of, I'd love to know where, where is your journey? And you're obviously now in Byron Bay, Australia. So give us a bit of like a timeline. Like how is that? How does that journey work? Journey across the, across the world. Um, well, after, yeah, it all sort of, the international stuff, I guess, played out after winning those couple of awards here. I went to the States. Um, I was there for a few years. And the little sort of trips out of the States were just during that time. So, um, you know, it's, it's easier to do that sort of thing when you're based um, in the Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> yeah. I guess the only other place that really has been part of the whole journey is Berlin. Um, mm. The producer that I worked with for this album, he's based there. So I, after he'd been here recording the album, I went over to Berlin to do the overdubs, which mm. sounds really luxurious, but you know, I'm all this traveling I've done, like <laughs> very low key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been still holding my day job and doing what I can to make a buck to support the whole thing. Mm. To record the album, I did a crowdfunding campaign. You know, I'm not a trust fund kid. I have it hasn't been. <laughs> just putting that out there yeah it's been a total hustle and really messy and yeah it's that's why I guess for the first time relaying it to someone in an interview it's almost like yeah that does sound really cool but um yeah it was it's all been been, yeah. yeah that's that's cool and especially you know even just going you know from recording it, it's it's cool to know that this album's been at you know the Grove Studios, which is actually just um um on the Central Coast, which is it's literally twenty minutes away from me. I'm on the Central Coast as well, so right. um it's yeah it's just up the road from me. Um from there to Berlin, and obviously you've been through the states and everything, so it's yeah no it's a really really exciting journey to sort of to sort of hear where you've you've been from, but now is sort of coming into your own um with um with this debut album. So as we sort of come to the end to our chat here. What would you like listeners to get from this album and from you as an artist? Um, I guess I would hope that the songs touch on a nerve or touch on something within the listener that makes them feel something, makes them feel um, either in touch with their grief there's a lot of sorrow in the record in touch with their pain in touch with their joy i mean i'm not 
afraid. I, I'm, I don't steer away from those bigger, darker emotions. I think, um, I think they're really beautiful and there's a lot to be learnt from feeling those things. So I guess if, if they go to any of the depths that I felt like I went to while I was writing the songs, then I'd feel pretty satisfied. Yeah, wonderful. No, and as I mentioned a couple of times here, that with the two songs that you've released already, there's a really sort of precious and beautiful songwriting quality to them and production quality as well. And really, really excited to um to listen to the album when it drops. So it hasn't come out from the time of when we're recording this podcast. It may actually be have we have we got a set date for when the album comes out? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, I'll make sure that I'll I'll have it shared on my socials when it does drop. Um, so guys, if you're listening to the podcast. Um, I might even have a link, have it linked down below um, when it drops as well. Um, Stephanie, thanks so much for coming on to the Indie Music Diaries. It's been, actually been like a really, really good chat. So thanks so much. Uh, thank you. I've really enjoyed um, talking and thanks for your patience hearing me sort of tie it all together. Yeah, <laughs> it's been the first time, but it's been really lovely. Thank you. It's been wonderful. And actually, before I do forget, would you like to plug yourself in terms of where people can find you on, on online or social media? Um, well, at the moment, you can find me on Spotify, Stephanie Sharoti. Um, I have an Instagram account. I have a Facebook. That's about it at the moment. But um, yeah, come and say hello in any of those forums. And yeah, it'd be really lovely to see people tuning in, hear people tuning into the songs. Absolutely. And guys, wherever you listen to the podcast, we will have um, Stephanie's links all in the description for this podcast. Once again, Stephanie, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Lachlan. It was great.